Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back again today to the program and thank you, first of all, for continuing to patiently stay with us as we have over the last probably a hundred and some programs been systematically, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, at least trying to show you uh, what we believe the book of Revelation is saying, at least in uh, some dimension of light of historic fulfillment. Uh, I think, again, we have shared so many times with you how audience relevant is everything. Uh, When you read the context of the book of Revelation, uh, it starts out by saying that these things were about to shortly come to pass. That doesn't mean thousands of years in the future. It means that there were some things imminent. The book of Revelation was written to seven churches that were really in Asia, so it would have to have some relevance to that first century church. Now, while I do not, while I do believe, let me say that, that there are some things yet that are in this book that are uh, possibly futuristic. We will talk about those in the next few verses uh, or the next few chapters in the next few segments. Uh, I I believe that what we need to understand concerning the Word of God, especially when it comes to dealing with the finished work of Jesus Christ and what He's accomplished in the finished work, is that it was finished with ongoing results. In other words, 2,000 years ago, Jesus uh, not only uh, redeemed us, but He healed us by whose stripes you were healed. So healing was secured over 2,000 years ago for the believer. Yet, the future, we can see it walked out as it is an ongoing reality that Jesus is still a healer and that we can, uh, by faith, lay hold of what he's accomplished in the finished work. I don't want to take a long time to introduce this this morning, though, because we're going to go to the 19th chapter of the book of Revelation. So if you want to get another cup of coffee and sit down with me, we're going to dig around in the Word of God and uh, just begin to, I think, make some powerful comparisons. Let me say also that if you missed some of these programs, we have archived everything uh, that we have aired to date on our YouTube page where you can go back and watch them. So if you miss it, you know, there's some things you want to go back and rehear today. Uh, It will be on YouTube. Also, you can go to our iTunes and, uh, you know, sign up for our podcast because then you can actually uh, listen to, have them delivered straight to your iPhone or your smart device on other places where there are RSS feeds so that you can listen to the audio of this. And I encourage you to do that. Uh, I'm going to begin in, in the, <coughs> excuse me, the 19th chapter of Revelation today. In our last several segments, we de- dealt with the destruction of the harlot. And, um, but let me just read this, and we'll get into unpacking the details of it. I'm going to read the first several verses first because we're not going to finish this first chapter. We're not going to finish this chapter in one segment. It says, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation, glory, and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. I want to point out as we come down into this again, he is connecting this chapter with the judgment of this great harlot or this great whore that we showed you uh, last week and in the last several weeks on the program was apostate Israel because in Matthew chapter 23 uh, is the, uh, the text that tells you that the only generation that the blood of all 
of those that were martyred would come upon, would come upon that generation uh, of apostate Jew, Jews in this particular time slot. Jesus prophesied over them, and he said to them, you fill up the measure then of your father's sin, and that upon this generation will come the blood of all of the slain from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zacharias, the gospel according to Luke. He goes on to declare, these are the days of vengeance that all things might be fulfilled, which he spoke to them. So uh, this is in fulfillment, uh, fulfillment again, it is on the heels of the judgment of the great harlot. And I wanted to point that out because it's in her, the harlot, was found the blood of his servants and at her hand. And again, they said, hallelujah, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And the voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, and, and ye that fear him both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. He saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him, and said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren, that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the Spirit of prophecy. And before I get into the white horse in verse number 11, uh, we're going to talk about for probably several uh, programs, perhaps however long it takes me. I'm not going to get in a hurry because I've so uh, appreciated those of you who have written to us, especially if you've never heard this view before, saying this makes sense and we understand it. That's quite a compliment to me. And, uh, you know, I do deeply appreciate those cards and letters, and we do read them. Uh, but uh, we're going to talk about in this segment upon the heels of the judgment of the great harlot or the great whore is then as immediately as soon as that city, that people was judged. All of a sudden now chapter 19 says, hallelujah, now is come salvation and the, uh, the marriage of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. What I want to do is try to show you that the bride and the marriage of the Lamb and the marriage of the bride is not in our future. It is something that was fulfilled historically. Now again, in the life of the believer, there's an ongoing relationship that we have with Christ as our husband, as we are married to him in the church. And we're going to show you that in just a few moments. But one of the things I was thinking about even before I came on camera is that, you know, a lot of times we, we talk about things like, well, one of these days you know, uh, the marriage of the Lamb is going to come and uh, we're going to get married and this big marriage is in the future. Uh, one of the things I want to say to you is that if you're not already married to Him, if you're not already in covenant with Him, number one, you don't have any right to intimacy because without any covenant or without uh, a covenant to enter into of a marriage relationship, you have no legal right to intimacy. Number two, if you're not already married to Him, you have no legal right to use his name. But if you are married to him, you're going to find that you have a legal right and authority to use the name of Jesus just as much as your spouse or your bride could use your name at the bank. And that's one of the things we're going to capitalize on when we get there just a little bit. Uh, but uh, I, want, I just wanted to say those, uh, you know, uh, pre, pre uh, 
uh, you know, prerequisites a little bit for what I want to share. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 14 through 16 says, For you, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For you also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. Watch this, because he's telling you in verse number 15, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sin always, for the wrath is come unto them to the uttermost. He's talking about the wrath coming upon, again, we're going to see on the heels of the judgment of this great harlot, it's setting the stage for the time period that would follow immediately on the judgment of the harlot. And I think we've given you a convincing argument in the last several weeks, and we will continue to give you scripture again, because here it is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, that tells you that they would fill up then the measure of their sin always, so that the wrath of God would come upon those Jews who both killed the Lord Jesus and their prophets. So the Apostle Paul is hanging this again, even in 1 Thessalonians, upon these people. Now also he says in, in verse 2 of chapter 19, For true and righteous are his judgments. For he has judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of the servants at his hand. And uh, he says, Then let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. So here we see that he is on the heels of a judgment that came upon these people, uh, would come a marriage, a marriage of the Lamb. Uh, you know, again, to, to give you some things, I'm going to go over here in just a minute to Matthew, but before I go to Matthew chapter 21, I want to take you to uh, John chapter, St. John chapter number 3, and I want to share you what John the Baptist has to say about, uh, I believe it is, yes, it's, um, let's see, St. John chapter 3, and verse number 29, I want you to see, hear the words of John the Baptist. He says, uh, well, let me, let me uh, go back to verse 28. You yourselves, this is John 3, verse 28. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ. This is John the Baptist speaking. But that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom withstandeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is in the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. And he that cometh from heaven is above all. Here John the Baptist is saying he was not the bridegroom, but he was the friend of the bridegroom. Now, we can see that John is the friend who is introducing the bridegroom clear back here in John chapter 3 when he says, For he must increase, and, and I must decrease. And uh, uh, then, then he begins to declare that, that uh, he that has the bridegroom, and, and the question is going on here even in the Gospel of John concerning fasting, because the dispute was, well, John's disciples fast, and your disciples don't fast. And, and, and Jesus says to them that the children of the bride chamber do not fast while the bridegroom is present with them. So what I'm simply telling you is the bridegroom was now on the scene 2,000 years ago, and the friend of the bridegroom had introduced the true bride, uh, or the true bridegroom, and uh, there was a, a marriage that was about to take place. Now, let me go back and show you this also 
in Matthew uh, chapter 21, many of these parables, when you begin to understand uh, the context of what I'm sharing, it begins to open everything. I mean, it begins to open the word of the parables when you realize, number one, who's the audience Jesus is speaking to? It was primarily a Jewish audience that was under an old covenant paradigm, and Jesus is offering them the coming kingdom of God and the coming new covenant that all the law and the prophets had prophesied about. Now, let me, uh, let me just get this for you in chapter 21 of the book of Matthew, just to, uh, and we're going to begin in verse number 33. And we're going to talk about this parable because, again, it sets on the heels of this great harlot being removed. And we have showed you all along that we believe that this harlot is uh, apostate Israel, and it's uh, the one uh, who, who the prophets talked about, how has the faithful city become a harlot. Now, if you go with me to verse number uh, 21 of... Uh, Matthew 21, I believe it is. It says, Verily, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, I, I, that's a little bit too far, I'm, I'm sorry, that's too far up. Uh, let me see here. I believe I, I want Matthew 21, verse 33, I'm sorry. Uh, verse 33 says, Hear another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower, and let it out to husband, and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandman, that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandman took his servants, and beat one, and killed another, and stoned another. Again he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did unto him, unto them likewise. But last of all he sent unto them his son, saying, They will surely reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They said unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men, and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons." And Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read the scripture, the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, The kingdom, watch this, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on the stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard these parables, now watch this, this is not my opinion, they perceived that he spoke of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude, because they took him to be a prophet. Now, this to me is a powerful, uh, if you will, and, and we're going to talk about in the next chapter, he talks about the marriage of the king's son. But the first thing I wanted you to see is in Revelation 19, he says, Hallelujah, now has come salvation and the kingdom of our God. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. It is the, the reign of God in the earth that is his kingdom being established that comes on the heels of him taking the kingdom from this group of people 
who he had lent out his vineyard to, and he planted it. You know, you see, this is the, uh, the parable of the wicked husbandman. Uh, he let out his vineyard, you know, to these husbandmen, and, and then he came back after a long while to see uh, whether or not they had done anything with the fruit that he had, uh, uh, or with the, with the vineyard he let out to them. But the Bible says that while they, uh, he sent the servants, he sent prophets, he sent, uh, you know, uh, he sent messengers to them and to, to see if, you know, how that, or to receive the fruit of it, you know. I mean, he, and it said, you know, the husband took his servants and they beat one and they killed another and they stoned another. I mean, you read through even the Gospels, the four Gospels, even with John the Baptist and uh, the, the different persecutions that these people went through. The Bible said that, you know, they, and this is not just in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because even as you read Matthew chapter 23, I've already quoted this, that he said that the blood of all of the martyrs, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zacharias would come upon this generation. And then Jesus gives this parable and he starts talking to them even about, uh, you know, how that this vineyard was let out to husbandmen. He came to see if there was any fruit. He sent servants, he sent prophets. Some of them they beat, others they stoned. Uh, and last but not least, he said, I'm, I'm going to send my son. I, you know, I, I tell you, God gave them every opportunity and their, their hearts were so hardened that they begin to say, you know, uh, that, 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 you know, that they begin to say, you know, let's, let's not just kill the servants, but let's kill the son uh, who, you know, Jesus said, uh, you know, when he gave the parable, surely they'll reverence the son, but they didn't reverence the son. They did not receive their Messiah. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir, let's kill him and seize on his inheritance. And, you know, they caught him and then cast him out of their, uh, you know, and, and they cast him out of their vineyard. I mean, this is fulfillment of what Jesus in his passion and how they treated Jesus, how they treated the servants of God down through the history. And he said, when the Lord of the vineyard comes, will he, uh, what will he do to these husbandmen? Uh, and, and, and now remember again, as we read the last few verses of this parable, that these Pharisees are not confused about who he's speaking to. He, they, they perceived that he spoke to them, of them and they were about out to kill him then. And he said to them, you know, uh, but he, what he's going to do to those servants that mishandled all of the ones he sent to them, mishandled the son, killed the son of the owner of the vineyard. He said, when the Lord comes, uh, he's going to take these husbandmen and he's going to, he will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. And Jesus then quotes, Did you not hear the stone that the builders rejected has now become the head of the corner? And then he said, Therefore I say to you, the kingdom shall be taken from you. This is not my opinion. This is what the Word of God says. The kingdom will be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof, and whosoever shall fall in the stone shall be broken, but on whomever falls, it will grind him to powder. When the chief Pharisees heard these things, they perceived that he spake of them, but when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. Now, I want to take this on a little bit further over, if I can find it real quickly here. And uh, uh, Matthew chapter uh, 20, 25, if I can find it real quick, uh, he talks about uh, that, they, that he would take, uh, that there would be a judgment. In other words, all of these parables, when you, uh, 
when you when you take a look at them, uh, they 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 are all uh, they are all parables that are dealing with him taking the kingdom from uh, uh, the Jews and giving them to a uh, uh, you know a another nation. The kingdom being delivered uh, to a nation producing the fruit of them. That I believe to me is the kingdom of God that is made up of both Jew and Gentile that are believers in Christ. In other words, the key issue here is, uh, you know, there's only one way into the kingdom. And that's not through a natural birth, it's through a supernatural birth, it's through the born-again experience that we enter into the kingdom. So whether you're Jew or a Gentile, you must be born again. There's no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved, but at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I believe that's in fulfillment here of Matthew chapter 25, and it says, uh, and when this, this, this is verse 31, and I'll probably come back and touch some of these parables again before I'm finished uh, this segment, but verse 31 said, when the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then the righteous shall answer, Lord, saying, Lord, when did we see thee and hungered and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? Uh, when saw we thee a stranger and took thee in our naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of, of these, my little, my, uh, the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left town, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hunger, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick? or in prison, and did not minister unto thee, then he shall answer, say, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to the one of the least of these, you did it not to me, and these shall go into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, to me, these scriptures are not dealing with some future uh, uh, fulfillment. This was him dividing, saying, okay, the sheep are on uh, my right, and the goats are on my left. It is him taking the kingdom from the goats, it is Him giving them to the sheep. I believe that one of the things we need to look at is that even when we look at the fire that was uh, prepared for them, everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels, uh, that we, we need to understand that there is a judgment that occurred here that was a sentence or a judgment that was passed that had ongoing effects. In other words, it would be like uh, He says in the book of Jude that Sodom and Gomorrah suffered the vengeance of eternal fire. Well, and of course, Sodom and Gomorrah is the namesake of Jerusalem because Jesus looks at them and says to them uh, uh, in uh, Revelation chapter 11, He says, Our Lord was crucified in the city which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Our Lord was not crucified in Sodom or Egypt. Our Lord was crucified in Jerusalem. And we've already dealt with that in prior segments, but he makes a, a direct connection to Sodom and Gomorrah as being a picture of Jerusalem because he said where our Lord was crucified in the city which is spiritually called Sodom 
and Jerusalem. And Jesus stood over them and said, Sodom and Gomorrah will rise up and, 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 uh, and condemn this generation because if they saw what you saw, uh, they would have repented long ago. But what I'm showing you is that the judgment and the fire that came that had eternal effects was the destruction of this city and the burning of this city to the ground when the tares are burnt with an unquenchable fire. And you see in the book of Jude, for instance, he'll say that Sodom and Gomorrah suffered the vengeance of eternal fire. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah is still not, is not on fire now. Uh, however, the, the fire had an eternal result. And I believe that's one of the things that we see here is that this is not some future judgment that's coming when he'll separate the sheep from the goats. The thing that separates us now is, number one, are you born again? Are you sheep or are you goats? Uh, the kingdom was taken from, remember, in the ch 21st chapter of Matthew, the kingdom was taken from the ones who he had let out the vineyard to and it was given to a nation producing the fruit. I believe that's the holy nation. I believe that's the kingdom of God. I believe that's made up of both Jew and Gentile. I believe that the sheep that are on the right hand that he says, listen, you, I was hungry and you fed me. I was uh, uh, thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was in prison, you visited me. Uh, and he's saying, then I'm gonna to say to them, come and enjoy uh, the kingdom prepared for you. We don't have to wait for some glad morning to enjoy the kingdom prepared for us. We are citizens right now of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is progressing. Uh, I'm telling you in the removal of this nation that immediately on the heels of it, he says, hallelujah, now has come salvation and the kingdom of our God. It happened on the heels of the destruction of this harlot system. And Matthew 21, he tells you that he took this from uh, the, the ones that had the vineyard in, in Revelation chapter 19. It's on the heels of this great city being burnt with fire that he says to them, come ye blessed and inherit the kingdom. I think it even makes sense when you think about where he said Matthew 24, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. That's not talking about, I don't think necessarily just eternal salvation. He's talking about if you will endure unto the end of these catastrophes, then there's a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And the last time was the last days of this old covenant and salvation is now available to all of us. Hallelujah, now has come salvation. We're just about out of time. Uh, tune in again next week and join us. If you are enjoying and appreciating what we're saying, please get behind it. Uh, we do need your help. It takes finances to carry the gospel like this. And, and you know, we are saying some things that may be different than most people have heard. We need your help to do that. If you'll call that number on the screen or send a letter and uh, uh, sow seed into the ministry, help us continue to do this. We appreciate you. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ. 